And I think everybody has an ecosystem, right? Like you have an ecosystem of, of people that you work with. I own a uh, Facebook ads agency with a couple friends that you just refer clients to because your clients are saying, hey, I've got this Pinterest. I've got Pinterest down now because uh, Vanessa's handling it. Do you know anybody who can take care of Facebook ads for us? For designers, that's copywriters. You know, we work with a ton of copywriters. And so we'll get inquiries occasionally from people who are taking care of their brand messaging with a certain copywriter and we're referred to us. So everybody has an ecosystem of vendors or other businesses that that they can reach out to. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to the Brands at Book Show, where we help creative service-based businesses build their brands and find more clients. I'm your host, Davey Jones. I frequently have discussions with or receive emails from people who are looking for more inquiries. Maybe they feel like things aren't where they were last year, bookings have slowed down for one reason or another, or they've recently moved markets. Whatever the reason, this episode pretty much outlines the strategies that I suggest people try in order to get inquiries relatively quickly. I should say at the outset that I don't consider these strategies hacks. What I mean is that they involve effort, and a lot of it comes back to relationship building. And in relationship building, there's not really all that many shortcuts, nor should you build a relationship just to get something out of it. But if you do the work of building relationships, these strategies are effective, and one of these strategies might help you start building a few of those relationships that I'm talking about. I welcome back Pinterest marketing wizard Vanessa Kynes to help me dig into this topic. Be sure to check out the show notes at DavianKrista.com for the resources we mentioned during the episode. And I'd like to hear from you about what kinds of content you'd like to see on the Brandset Book Podcast as we move forward. I'd also like to know what episodes have you enjoyed most so far and why? To leave your feedback, head on over to the Davian Krista Facebook page and send us a message. Now, on to the episode. I have Vanessa Kynes with me today, and she's going to help me talk about five ways that you can get inquiries today. And Vanessa, uh, welcome back, and thank you for fitting us in within your crazy move schedule this week. I love it. I have to be honest, I'm I'm procrastinating a lot about this move, so it's nice to have some things that don't involve boxes or cleaning. Uh, I totally get it. We're kind of in the midst of our own move right now, so I understand how stressful that can be. But you have a, a number of moves in your future right here. You have... You're moving to DC for a little bit and then, you know, eventually going to make a home in uh, Birmingham, Alabama, right? Yes. Yeah. So my husband is a professor and we've been on sabbatical this year. And one of our greatest surprises is that during his sabbatical, he actually got a job offer at a dream institution in the South. So we are moving from Washington state via Virginia down to Birmingham and we're super excited, but it's been, it's just been crazy to think about how we're going to plan all these details. Yeah. And I I don't want to jump into the content here today, but I also have to make note that this is about, about a year ago. We met for the first time and it was during, it was recording your very first podcast episode for Brands That Book talking about Pinterest. Krista was going into labor at the time. Uh, she told me that, that that morning, you know, of the recording, she's like, Hey, I think, I think we should go to the hospital. I was like, No, I think this is a false alarm. And so we actually recorded our episode 
And then, of course, she ended up having Jack hours later. So, Yay. So happy birthday, Jack. Yeah, That's amazing. Yeah. So it yeah. is uh, about one year to the day. I kind of joke around with Krista that it took, like, you know, everybody that I, that I interview on the podcast, you know, I end up working with them or becoming friends, right? There's just so many people from, so many guests from the, the podcast that we ended up hiring to do stuff for us. So, you know, you for, for Pinterest page has done some legal work for us and so awesome. on. So, the, the podcast has really been uh, awesome in that way. But anyways, let's let's dive into the content. So what are we talking about today? We are talking about, first of all, the fear that people have about seeing crickets in their inbox and not getting enough inquiries and how, what you can do to quickly increase those inquiries via your network marketing and your website. Yeah, I'm excited to dive into this. This is a, this is a question that I often get, especially from coaching clients, which makes sense, right? People who are seeking out coaching because their inquiries aren't exactly where they want them to be. Or even in the context of talking to SEO with people, people saying things like, you know, I just feel like my inquiries have slowed down this month, or I feel like I'm not quite where I am this year that I was last year. So one of the things though I wanted to bring up is seasonality, because I know that wedding photographers and photographers are really busy in the summer and things really slow down. So can you talk a little bit about when people actually have a problem? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the big things, and I've said this over and over again on the podcast in a number of different episodes, I don't even know which ones, but it's important to be tracking your inquiries to understand mm-hmm. actually whether you have a problem or not. Uh, and that's that's the first problem with, you know, in talking to people is they're, they're saying things like, I feel or I think you know, well, can you go back and look at how many inquiries you got this time last year? And then of how, of those inquiries, how many you've booked? And a lot of people don't, you know, they don't keep track of that kind of stuff. They might have some sort of record of it in their inbox, um, but certainly not organized enough where they can go back to a spreadsheet and say, this is how many inquiries I got last year. And the value of being able to do that is that inquiries, you know, as with so many different things in business are often seasonal. This is especially true, I think, in the wedding industry. And of course, that season's going to vary. You know, I know in, uh, in our friends in Phoenix, for instance, in the middle of the summer, they're not shooting weddings. Whereas in the middle of the summer here in the mid Atlantic, we're shooting tons of weddings because it's not as hot, uh, as it is in Phoenix. But by tracking your inquiries, understanding, you know, how many people you're booking and at what price point, you can say to yourself, okay, you know, I feel like I'm not getting a ton of inquiries, but as I go back to my spreadsheet here, I see that I only got 10 inquiries in May last year. I've got about that many this year and only, you know, one of them turned into a, a booking, you know? And so if you hit your goal last year and you're getting about the same amount of inquiries this year, then you don't have to worry about it. You know, you can, you can confidently say, okay, I think this is due to seasonality or you know, you'll, you might notice some sort of discrepancy, in which case you, you, you'll want to take some action. But without tracking that stuff, then, you know, you're really just trying to find your way around in the dark. Speaking of tracker, you guys have a free download, right? Where people can grab that? Yeah, we do. And it's not, it's not anything crazy. So uh, I'll post a <laughs> link to this in the, in the show notes, but it's just our inquiry tracker. I mean, this is, it's as simple as like name, email, collecting some information. All of this, we have it set up. We use a, a tool called Zapier. I'll also uh, include that in the show notes. Just going to make myself a note about that so that when somebody fills out our contact form, it automatically gets shot into the spreadsheet. But oh, even if it didn't, fancy. it's one of those like three minute things, you know, like you, you look at this, the inquiry, you jot that stuff 
stuff in the in the spreadsheet and then we can go back and we can say okay we booked this client or I can make a note like well, out of price range for this client and it just gives me a lot of good data that I can go back to and kind of understand okay we're not booking a lot of clients because I can say things like we're not booking a lot of clients because we're out of a lot of people's price range so how can I target a people who people who have you know, a higher price range, but there's all sorts of information I, I get. And then I can make educated decisions uh, in my business. Okay. Really interesting. One thing that you brought up was, can you talk a little bit about the pricing dead zone? Cause a lot of people may not know what that is, but I hear that a lot in when people are choosing to price their services. Yeah. You know, I have mixed feelings about the pricing dead zone. Dead zone. <laughs> I do think it exists, but it's one of those things where it's like, it's hard to say, exactly what it is and whether somebody is truly suffering from the pricing dead zone. Uh, I think it's it's definitely something that's going to be market to market in certain rural areas. The price uh, the prices that you might be able to charge for a service are going to look a lot different than, you know, somewhere inner city New York or Baltimore, DC or even Annapolis, right. something like that, yeah. right? So I think the pr- the the dead zones are going to vary. But the, the concept is is there's a certain zone of pricing where you're at and you're a little more expensive than the tier below you, but a little less expensive than the tier above you. Uh, and as a result, people either go with the person who's cheaper or go with the person that's more expensive. Mm-hmm. It's all perceived like it's really a lot of like psychology and perceived marketing. So that's really interesting. So, well, let's talk about the first tip because I think it kind of applies to the way that you present your services and the way that you present yourself to your future clients. So. The number one, reach out to vendors you've worked with in the past that you have a good relationship. So talk a little bit about how you and Krista did this in your experience as wedding photographers. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, during any during any situation where we felt like, oh, wow, we need we need inquiries and bookings in the immediate future, you know, and and a lot of the people that I talk to that are concerned about that, that's, I mean, they're concerned about it. They want they want results a little bit more quickly because things in it, they've perceived at least have died down a bit. So the first thing that I tell people to do, and we've done this in our own business, is reaching out to vendors that we've worked with in the past that we have a good relationship with. And it's as simple as you can do this on a couple different levels. You know, the the fancy the fancy level would be, you know, taking the time to write a handwritten note, maybe get some sort of personalized gift. It doesn't have to be big. I'm talking like less than $10, simply something that's thoughtful, right? And sending them a note and saying, hey, listen, we have a bunch of dates open this year and we'd like to fill those dates. So it's just really making them aware. We'd love to work with you in the future. And I think the value of doing that is that you're staying top of mind uh, with people. I know for us, when we were when we were shooting weddings, we would have a list of people that we'd refer if we were booked. But that list had like, you know, probably five to seven names on it. So if somebody, you know, we got similar letters, you know, to people from people saying, Hey, I'm, I've got these five dates I really need to fill or whatever. And so what we do is if we got a letter from somebody uh, like that or a note or an email or whatever, we would only send that person's name out for the next couple of weeks. And that way we know, okay, we're, you know, people don't have a list to choose from. They're definitely going to inquire with this person. And then it's kind of on them to actually book the client. But I think it just helps staying top of mind. Now I want to ask about when you say vendors, from my perspective, not a wedding photographer, it seems like the planners. Do you feel like the planners hold a lot of the power with the brides when they're making their decisions? Yeah, I mean, I think if you were if you're in the wedding industry, you're reaching out to the photographers, you're reaching out to so other photographers, planners, of venues, 
and then maybe florists. You know, florists, I think, are the, the dark horse, so to speak. I think some people end up booking their florists uh, really early in the process. Um, so, we, I know, have gotten a number of good referrals from floral designers. Um, but I would say those people, because those are, or those vendors, because those are the vendors that people typically book earlier in the process. So, they're going to result in more inquiries if you have a good relationship with them. But I, I think this extends beyond the wedding industry as well. Yeah, I know that's really interesting. That's really interesting. One of the ways that I feel like for myself that can really increase inquiries is, and you mentioned this, is actually being a podcast guest. You get introduced to someone else's audience and you get the trust. So people who trust Davey will trust me. And it's an amazing way to kind of network yourself and reach new audiences and potentially get books. So it's worked for me. I, I love doing podcasts for people. Yeah. And I think everybody has an ecosystem, right? Like you have an ecosystem of, of people that you work with. I own a, uh, Facebook ads agency with a couple friends that you just refer clients to because mm-hmm. your clients are saying, Hey, I've got this Pinterest. I've got Pinterest down now because uh, Vanessa's handling it. Do you know anybody who can take care of uh, Facebook ads for us? For designers, that's copywriters. You know, we work with a ton of copywriters. And so we'll get inquiries occasionally from people who are taking care of their brand messaging with a certain copywriter and we're referred to us. So everybody has an ecosystem of vendors or other businesses that, that they can reach out to. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about, you mentioned dead zone and people, I know a lot of people are, who've been, you know, either in the service industry or wedding industry, and they want to up level, they want to move to a luxury market. So the second tip that you talked about is start building relationships with people you'd like to work with in the future. So these might be vendor relationships of people who are working with a more upscale client. So can you talk about what you would do with those relationships to start getting clients and inquiries from them? Yeah, this is, you know, I guess some people get frustrated with the the first piece of advice because if they're just getting started, they may not have these relationships to reach out to. And there's really no shortcut I think in building relationships. It's it's like building backlinks in SEO. It's so true. Or yeah. or making friends. You can't force somebody to be your friend, but you can certainly do things that that help the cause, uh, so to speak. So same thing in reaching out to vendors can apply to starting to build relationships with people. I would say first, go to where they are. So I know uh, Charity has been a guest on the podcast mm-hmm. and in her specific uh, instance, it was a certain professional photography organization. So it was a certain industry organization that she joined to get access to some people who were at sort of a more luxury level than she was at at the time. So go to where people are. I know in Annapolis here that we've had, there's been tons of meet- meetups in the past and it's simply going to those things, putting yourself out there and getting to know people. But even that same tip that I talked about in, or the same strategy that I talked about in tip one, writing handwritten notes, sending out a not tacky, <laughs> you know, just thoughtful gift to some of these people and saying, Hey, I love your work. Uh, you know, I, I admire what you've done in XYZ, maybe doing a little bit of research in their Instagram feed and saying, I would love to work with you in the future. If there's anything that I can do, let me know. And going even the extra step of adding value. I mean, if you're a photographer, I always think photographers had it a lot easier because they can add value through things like headshots. You yeah, know, if you whoever so you're reaching out to, like you can provide everybody needs images. So you can provide, hey, I would love to come and shoot for you for, you know, 20 minutes or half hour. And yeah, sure, you're offering to do it for free, but you know, 20, 20 minutes or an hour of your time could turn into thousands of dollars in the, of revenue in the future. 
That's really interesting. And one other thing I wanted to bring up is even in my own business, I have other Pinterest strategists to follow me and engage with me on Instagram. And even their engagement with me allows me to think about them if I'm ever referring out because I'm booked or maybe something isn't going to work out. So even I think even like the whole Instagram messaging and being kind, engaging with their content is a really great way to be top of mind when you're looking to refer out. So that's my little tip for you guys in the service industry is to be genuine. Don't be crazy stalker, but to be genuine with people and build those relationships. Okay. So we've talked a lot about the vendors, which I think are super important, but what about those former clients that you enjoyed working with? What are some natural ways that you can nurture those relationships that will lead to word of mouth referrals among your other services? Yeah. So former, former clients are one of the best sources of of referrals. Uh, I did include this as strategy uh, three, because especially if you're trying to jump a market, then sometimes former clients can be a letdown in terms of referrals. And what I mean there is if you're shooting, again, just going back to the photography uh, industry as an example, but this applies to to anyone. If you're doing work for $1,500, but you want to start charging $3,000 plus dollars, going back to the clients that booked you for $1,500, well, their friends are probably going to expect to also pay $1,500. Yeah. So this can be this can be tougher, especially if you're making really big price increases. I think anything less than 3% though, like if you're going up incrementally by like 3% in pricing, then you can kind of grow with your, you know, your, or your client base can kind of grow with you. But just simply reaching out to clients, telling them how much you've enjoyed working with them. Again, I think sending them some sort of small gift. Anytime you can add some sort of personal note or thoughtful gift, photographers, again, just have it so easy in terms of being able to send a couple prints from their session and saying, hey, we rely largely on word of mouth to operate as a business. We loved working with you and we'd love working with your friends in the future. And it depends on the season of life. I think for a certain season, while we were photographers, this worked out really well because it was that season where our friends and their friends were all getting were all getting married. As we got older, we found that this this strategy didn't work as well. And again, during serious price increases as well, that strategy wasn't as effective. But reaching out to former clients, getting reviews and referrals from them, and encouraging them to leave reviews and referrals. Sometimes people people who love to work with you, it doesn't mean that they're going to go out and talk about you. Uh, you know, I, I, I just think encouraging people and saying, hey, I'd love for you to leave a review in this place really does help people to actually take action and actually say, oh, I know somebody that you should work with. Okay. So many great points in there. One of the things that you brought up was reviews. So I would love to know how you get your Google, like on Google, when someone searches Davy and Krista, even in your web design business now, how you get those reviews because I want people to write on my Google page, but it's, it's difficult. You want to be like, if you had a great experience, will you go write a review? It can be kind of awkward. So how do you get those reviews on like Google or even other review websites? Yeah, I think exactly what you said. I, I know it feels awkward. You know, we all have trouble talking about ourselves or, or asking somebody to write or say nice things about us. But I think it's as, as, as simple as, as working it into your workflow in a place that makes sense. So after you've completed work or, or have proven something. So you always want to do it when, you know, customer satisfaction is really high. You know, not not right after they pay their invoice, you know, necessarily, but after you've gotten results from uh, for them in some way. So 
Had you, for instance, after you increased our Pinterest traffic by a, a million percent, you know, okay, so it wasn't a million, but it was like a thousand percent and said, Hey, Davey, I would love for you to write a quick review for me because again, I, I rely largely on word of mouth, yada, yada, yada. I would have happily uh, gone and, and done that. And you know what? After this episode, I will go and do that. I'll go and do that today. So Make a note of earned, that yeah, right now. You just earned yourself you uh, another review. But I think it's as simple as that. And sending, you know, if, if in your process, I know that at the end of the experience, we generally send a, a, a client gift, including that, you know, with the client gift, I think that that makes sense. Occasionally, clients will kind of just give you uh, an opportunity to do it in conversation. So they'll say something like, you know, I loved working with you, you know, words cannot express how grateful I am right now. You know, thank you. And, and just writing back and say, hey, I'm, I'm so glad that you had a great experience here's where you could leave a review uh, and that would be helpful for other people considering my service. Yeah. So actually today, um, someone messaged me because someone else, um, I introduced a, a course on Pinterest and someone said they heard someone talking about my course in a podcast. And so I made a note today to go contact that person to be like, Hey, can you like package that up in text form so that I can use it on sales pages or somewhere even get them to do a Google review. So if they've already said something nice about you, I'm sure they're very happy to um, put it in a form where you can share it with other people. Another thing I wanted to bring up is if you finally start working, let's say you finally land that luxury, that luxury upscale market. One thing that I love that you mentioned, you've mentioned in the past is sending anniversary cards or even holiday cards. Because again, if you finally have broken into a market that you really love, being top of mind for those people so that they can recommend you. Another thing that I love that you guys do is you send Jenny's ice cream to all <laughs> of your web clients after you finish their branding. And without a doubt, I bet you most of them Instagram story about it. So it's such a great way to be able to share about your client experience, make someone feel really loved and special, but you're also they're also doing the marketing for you because they're so excited. Who wouldn't be excited to receive Jenny's? Yeah. So I love that you guys do that in such an easy, really inexpensive way to make people feel loved, but then also increase marketing for your business. So. Absolutely. And I think gifts needs to be a whole episode on its own. But one thing that we don't do is send like branded gifts. You know, we don't send things with our logo slapped all over it. Certainly when we were shooting weddings, we didn't do that. Choosing gifts that people will actually use. However, even if it's something like Jenny's ice cream, well, they'll eat, you know, but oftentimes people do Instagram about uh, Jenny's ice cream. When we were shooting, we would send these uh, artifact uprising calendars that could be stuck, you know, somewhere in the house, but they were, they were really nice looking calendars with images from their engagement session. So we often had people reach out and say, Hey, my mom really wants one of these. Can, can we get her one as well? So it's definitely something that people see and value. And, you know, in that case, it was something that stayed up all year. And so it was great great marketing that we knew would stay up in that person's house all year long. That's so awesome. Yeah. Just little simple things like that to make people feel really special. Okay. So we're getting to tip four and there's going to be a lot. I think you have to say me <sighs> as well. This, the next tip is blog, share, share, and share, then repeat. So talk to me a little bit about blogging because I know people are really afraid. They feel like they don't have time. They feel like it's not valuable. No one's reading them anymore. You and I would totally disagree with that. But talk about content marketing in terms of increasing your inquiries. We think that if we just create the content that people are going to see it. And that's just, it's just not the case because blogs are so ubiquitous now. I think gone are the days for the most part, with some exception of where somebody's going to log on to the internet, log on to the internet. Like I'm talking like it's a dial up now, you know? Like, <laughs> so, but people are going to get online 
and then search for a specific blog just to read what that blog post is of the day. So I think I think gone are those days. Uh, there's some exceptions there. Like for instance, I read uh, Seth Godin's blog every single day. But in my defense, it's a newsletter. You know, like his blogs are pushed out via email, so I get them to my email every day. Good so. Point. But again, for, for the most part, I think gone are those days. That doesn't mean people are not interested in your blog. It's simply that people won't share enough. They share to their Facebook page once and then think that their entire audience has seen it and anybody who is interested in it has seen it. And we know just based on the algorithm, how that works, that that's simply not the case. So under 10% probably are seeing that for of people who like your page. One thing that we say is to, to share your content repeatedly at least twice in a 24-hour period, you know, a couple more times within a 7-day period and then every month after that. And make sure you're talking uh, about it across all your different platforms because somebody who sees it on uh, Facebook might, might not see it on Instagram. You know, so we can't assume that everybody who follows us in one place is following us in, an, in another place. So talk about it in all of those different places for as long as it's relevant. You know, we spend a lot of time, you know, for, for instance, this content, a lot of this content is based on a blog post. This content I still think is, is valuable and good, you know, and it's helpful for people. And so I will continue to share this content until it is no longer valuable. So a couple things that I know that Dave and Krista have a great resources. They have a really awesome blogging workflow video that Krista did on showing how she blog stomps her images together. Make sure the Pinterest strategist tip that you have some vertical images that you can share to Pinterest. But one of the things that I like to do is just like you recommended, people are really afraid of blogging. They think it's going to take a lot of time, but a blog is a really great starting place for your, all of your marketing. Like you mentioned, you can do an Instagram story about it. You can reuse the content in an Instagram post. You can share it on Facebook, obviously you want to share it on Pinterest. And if you're optimizing the blog post for SEO, then you're also getting the SEO value, which I think uh, Davey and I would argue is super important. So don't see a blog, um, one blog post as wasted hour of your time. Really, you can take that content and share it across all the different platforms. It becomes basically just that landing page. Another thing that I want to bring up is when you have a website and you haven't blogged in over a year, that can be really dangerous. That can look like your business isn't, the lights aren't on anymore. So make sure that you do, even if it's just once a month, that you can get one blog post out a month to make sure that you're communicating to your clients that, hey, I'm still in business, things are really going, and um, we're thriving over here. Just having that visibility on the internet is really important. What I like to do with blogs is I wanna know what blogs are converting. So one of the things that I recommend for service-based owners is to set up in Google Analytics a goal on their um, contact page so that you can see which blog posts led to people clicking over to their contact page and potentially taking action. Because for me, I can see which of my blog posts are leading to email signups. And that's super valuable for me to know what type of content I need to continue to write more of so that I can increase my email list. Do you have any thoughts about that? Uh, I think I think that is just it's just genius advice because otherwise you're, you're guessing as to what content is converting based on maybe engagement or you know hoping that somebody uh, leaves comments and things like that. And just because somebody engages with a, a content doesn't mean that it's high converting content. And I think that's a great, great opportunity to talk about personal posts, for instance. I think if you weigh a personal brand or building a personal brand, then of course you want to blog personal stuff. But you know, to me, you're blogging the personal stuff so that you can blog kind of the next blog, so that the next blog post gets gets more engagement. Because personal blog posts don't always, I think for some people they do, but don't necessarily lead to signups on for email or people clicking over the contact page to inquire. You know, you're going to get plenty of engagement just from people who enjoy following along. So 
I think it's so helpful to, again, going back to at the very beginning of this episode, being able to track and understand what's actually getting your results and when it's getting your results for sure. Yeah. I had something else about blogging. Do you want to bring up SEO? Of course. Yeah. You know, well, you, you had mentioned SEO and of course that's, uh, that's so valuable. Oh, okay. So just creating content in general, I think is the best way to show that you're, you're, you're competent. So we're talking about in terms of blogging, I think a blog is sort of a, the, you know, even if you're vlogging, it's going to go up on your blog, right? This podcast, for instance, of course it goes up on iTunes and overcast and wherever, but it also goes up on my blog. And I think that just creating content blogging in particular is one of the best ways to show that you're good at what you do. And then the, the so important point that you brought up, which is showing that the lights are on as well. Yeah, that no like trust blogging is just so valuable that you know it. You can share that you know what you're talking about. That's so true. My whole business has really been built on my blog, so I love blogging big time. Okay, so now we're going to talk about this fifth tip, and I know you have a lot of experience in this because you do have an ads agency. But let's talk about advertising. When do you know that it's the right time to advertise to increase inquiries, and how do you help someone think through that when they're at that point? Yeah. So uh, as far as paid advertising goes. I will say that there are certain places that I like to advertise and there are certain places that I would never advertise. All right. So I'll focus first on the places that I enjoy advertising. One, Facebook, you know, and, and like you said, I have a Facebook ads agency um, with a couple of friends. So of course, that is one of the places that we like advertising, but we like advertising there because uh, it's one of the best places to get results. I will say that Facebook advertising works best for people who have a product that is already been proven out. It's going to be hit or miss. If you have a brand new product and you're trying to advertise on Facebook as to, you know, whether Facebook's going to quote work for you or not, because just, just because something's not converting from Facebook on a new product doesn't mean it's, it's the advertising aspect as fault. It might just be that the product itself uh, needs some tweaking. So I will say people who have proven their product, maybe they've been in business for a year or so. Those are the people that are really going to get a lot out of Facebook advertising. The kind of targeting you can do is just crazy granular. It's awesome. So being able to target local markets and people who fit, uh, you know, certain descriptions or who are in, who like certain things, have certain interests and so on and so forth. So I think it's, uh, very effective from, from the standpoint of being able to connect with the, the kinds of people that you want to connect with and Facebook in particular, you don't need a budget of, thousands of dollars a month. You could get started with something like $5 a day, you know, or a certain amount, a certain budget, you know, maybe you want to devote $100 a month to something just to kind of amplify who's seen things, you know? So if you have a new blog post that you love and you want to make sure more eyes are on that blog post, you could run an ad toward to that session, or you could boost it and just, again, getting a, getting some more eyes on that session. I would say advertising is the fifth strategy we're talking about for a reason. So tread, tread carefully. Don't go below a budget of $1,000 thinking that it's just some sort of magical unicorn that's going to result in you know million, millions of inquiries. Yeah, totally. I myself, I run a couple ad campaigns on Pinterest, but I myself am starting to look into this as well. And I think that one of the things that I've taken away from what you said is that 
I had a proven organic strategy. So selling my digital product through my email list, it did really well. So I'm hoping by putting some advertising dollars behind it, I'm basically just increasing the audience that I can reach. So I'm super excited about trying that out, but I'm certainly not going to be putting thousands and thousands of dollars into it. I'll start slow. Sure. And and that's, I think, again, for somebody like you, that's... You- that I think you'll, I will expect that you will get results from that because, like you said, you have proven organic traffic, uh, and I think it's you know a way a friend put it was it's a great way to pour gasoline on things, you know, oh, yeah, and just and just amplify or scale or scale your efforts. But you have to make sure that your product is proven first. I mean, you don't have to. You can always test it. You can always you can you can try to prove out your product through testing it through Facebook ads. That's fine. It's just a little riskier that way for sure. So tell yes. us how you feel about paid preferred networks. Like, what are they, and how are they good, bad? Do they work? I think in general, bad. You know, I, okay. I wouldn't spend a dime on Wedding Wire or the Knot. I just don't. I don't really like them as businesses, and. I think that most people that I've talked to that have experience advertising on those networks generally feel let down by the end of it. They get inquiries. Those inquiries aren't very, you know, they're not qualified inquiries. And so they don't actually end up getting a ton of bookings from those uh, listings. I know that there's probably people out there who have done it. You know, I'd love to hear from you. If you've had a great experience, I know that Wedding Wire and the Knot are now one company. So if you had a, a great experience with, whatever they now call themselves, uh, that's fine. Reach out. would love to hear about that. But in general, I would stay away from those listings. They're going to cost way more than, than what's worth it in terms of return. I think that we advertised once with Style Me Pretty. Style Me Pretty had a curated network called Little Black Book, which is a uh, you had, I don't know how it works at the time or even if it still exists, but you basically had to apply for it. Other people who were members had to like write recommendations for you. And we didn't find that we booked a ton from that. And so on that level, it wasn't worth it because I'm I'm sure it would cost us over $1,000 to do. But they were more likely to publish us. All right. So we found that, you know, the amount of uh, stuff we submitted to them for publication, we had a higher rate of being published by them while we were little black book members uh, than when we were not. I think they would say, oh, yeah, no, there's no correlation. But at least at the time, there totally was. So that might be an exception if you feel like maybe one of these publications that or one of these networks can offer some, some side value like that. But really, if you're looking for networks, I would say, again, going to vendors like planners, if you're in the wedding industry, this is the easiest example. We had a couple of luxury level high-end planners that had preferred networks that you could pay to be a part of. And they would guarantee you certain, uh, they would guarantee you a certain amount of inquiries or inquiries just in general. And the value there was one, they weren't, that wasn't open to everybody. You were asked. And so you know there was a limited quality amount in your area. Two, it was a specific person in your area. So you're more likely to actually get inquiries from them. And then also inquiries from that from people who are highly qualified because they trust this planner. So if this planner is telling them to go work with you as a photographer or you as a floral designer or whatever, you could be pretty sure that they were going to book. So that would be the exception there. I would say in general, some of these big companies just stay away from. One other thing that I want to throw in there is this isn't specific to wedding industry, but as a service provider is going to conferences, but really all of this revolves around trust and people because 
we're reaching out to people. I mean, people don't change when they look at how they spend their money for their business or for their wedding. They're looking for people they trust who will show up on their wedding, who will give them a great experience, who make them feel and treat it like a special day. Nobody wants to have a wonderful photographer who's an awful, awful people person. So for me, um, going to conferences has been super valuable at building relationships. A lot of things have just kind of like catapulted from there. So if you're looking at making an investment for conferences and it seems like a big ticket item, really think about the ways and the types of people going and the ways that that could really build your relationships with other people. I 100% agree. And I think that's really the value in conferences. Sure. Hopefully you'll go and you'll pick up one or two things, you know, that are really uh, like helpful strategies or tips for growing your business. But I think that really the value in conferences and going to events like that are building relationships. Yeah. And don't be self-promotional. Just be genuine and get to know people on a really relational level. And they will think of you when it comes time to refer you. A hundred percent. Thank you so much for joining me today for this conversation on how to get inquiries, hopefully quickly. You know, I think again, if you've been in business for a little bit and you have some of these relationships already built, that this is these are all strategies that will help you get inquiries fairly quickly uh, or relatively quickly. And if you're new, you know, just I think one of the big takeaways in almost every one of these points is how important relationships are. So be relational with your clients, be relational with the people that you're working with, because that can come back to around to you in very positive ways. Definitely. Well, thanks so much. This is a great, helpful conversation. Thanks for tuning in to the Brands That Book Show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing and leaving a review in iTunes. For show notes and other resources, head on over to deviancrista.com.